Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, we're two weeks into Pennsylvania's new legislative session, and for the first time in a long time, there's a party split. Democrats have the House and Republicans have the Senate. We're with Stephen Caruso of Spotlight PA for a vibe check, plus how a few priorities may have shifted with different perspectives in charge. It's Monday, May 8th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. Stephen, before we get into the bills, let's take a pulse. Do the goings-on in Harrisburg feel different at all with the split now? Uh, yeah, everything feels a little more chaotic, but like good chaotic. (laughs) There's lots of rumors flying. Nobody has seen this in a while, as you noted. Like, we're used to just Republicans and the governor, usually Tom Wolf, just sort of doing their thing together. And like, already some funny things have happened. Like, Democrats just walked up to the press room and said, we introduced a budget. And it's early May. That never happens. Interesting. So, yeah, Democrats have had the governor's office and the row offices. Those are like treasurer, secretary, attorney general, that kind of thing um, for years, but not the House. Now, some representatives, um, some longtime Democratic representatives and the new folks have a shot at moving some stuff that they've probably been sitting on for a while. Um, what are you seeing as the big priorities emerging in this new world order? Yeah, I think Democrats have been pretty clear that they've wanted to pass uh, the Fairness Act, which is LGBTQ Mm -hmm. non-discrimination. Pennsylvania is one of the the only state in the Northeast and one of, I think, about 20 some states that haven't implemented it. We're we're about half and half when it comes to all the states that have put LGBTQ non-discrimination in state law. Uh, We've also seen some gun laws advancing. Uh, uh, Those or haven't passed the full house yet, but they're inching their way there. Um, extreme risk protection, universal background checks, loss and stolen reporting. Uh, well, let's talk about a couple of those specifically. Um, with the LGBTQ plus uh, anti-discrimination, why is this a thing? Why? Please tell me it wasn't a fight. I mean, it was, but it wasn't a loud fight. So... <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, the, in, when I advanced out of committee, Republicans mostly talked about uh, trans girls playing sports. That was one of their biggest arguments. Uh, and that was an argument we saw carry over onto the House floor. Uh, it was actually like watching it pass. It, Democrats were kind of quiet. And I think that's a strategic decision. Like particularly trans rights are a politically uh, a hot topic that Republicans like to take advantage of. They like to to focus on, and they knew they also needed a Republican vote to get it through because one Democrat, Frank Burns from Canberra County, voted against it. So two Republicans did, uh, both from Luzerne County, Aaron Colfer and Ryan Ren- uh, Alec Renkavich, 
And they put up votes. So the bill passed the House. And I think there seemed to be, at least from the Republicans, this idea of, oh, this bill is going to go to the Senate, which is controlled by Republicans, get changed and then come back to us. And then we'll we'll have this whole conversation over again, sort of about getting it passed. Democrats, I think, are more of like, we've 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 compromised already. Like this bill is going this is as far as we're going to give on this topic codifying trans rights does not take rights away from anybody. This drives us crazy here at CityCast. Um, Some other bills that have made it out of committee but haven't gone before the full House yet. Um, I saw four different gun control bills have advanced. Um, Tell us about Mm -hmm. those. Yeah, so it's an extreme risk protection law, also known as red flag. This basically is you could petition a court as a family member or law enforcement, say, uh, my brother, son, husband, who's been acting funny, bought a gun, never expressed interest, has been talking about hurting himself, hurting others, petition a court to take away that uh, access to that firearm. Uh, that's a bill that a couple other states have passed. Uh, gun, uh, gun control advocates have talked about it a lot as this ability to sort of step in, intervene, whether it's suicides or mass shootings or anything in between. Uh, that bill is received uh, four amendments this week. Also, uh, universal background checks, expanding, the uh, basically requiring a background check for any firearm uh, privately purchased in Pennsylvania. Uh, right now, there's some holes in that. It's like the gun show loophole that's often talked about. How like, you know, Yeah, like if, where you can go buy it at a gun show and then you don't need the background check. Exactly. Uh, you know, that is uh, one bill to close that. Also, lost and stolen mandatory reporting. So this is trying to get at, uh, straw purchasing, which is basically when somebody uh, buys a gun uh, legally, someone who legally can buy a gun and then magically loses it or, you know, misplaces it or, or you know, oh, it was stolen from me. And then somebody ends up in the hands of someone who legally couldn't purchase that gun. Well, and you uh, said you, magically, but it could actually just happen and then you not get around to it. I get that part. But this means you have to get around to it. It is required that you get around to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was being glib. But I know, like, I the know. main point is The main point is that, like, th- there is this problem of straw purchasing. There, Like, you know, some people will, you actually will lose things. I mean, I, I my God, I've lost plenty of things in my Same. life. Uh, I mean, I would keys. hope that a gun wouldn't be one of those things that you could just so easily misplace, but... Yeah, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, but but there is very much a problem of people who there are known straw purchasers. I think the attorney general just announced busting someone who's been doing this for twenty years, and you know, and then you know, it's uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's a thing. I mean, there are people who make their living and just transferring guns illegally, who who legally can purchase one and getting them to somebody who can't. Like that is, I hate it. Why? I it's there because I mean. Like, there are people who cannot own guns because they've committed a crime, because they've done X, done Y. They get guns illegally, and oftentimes it's through these straw purchases. Right. So, red flag rules, mandatory reporting, and background checks. Yes. What was the other one? Mandatory reporting, background checks, ERPO, I said that. And uh, also a bill to mandate that anytime you buy a gun, you have to get a gun lock with it. Uh, It's unclear if that means you get a free gun lock or you have to buy a gun lock on top of your gun. I mean, I think that was something gun rights opponents and committee were raising some concerns about. But, you know, the general idea is that if you have a gun, you should be able to store it safely. You should put a gun lock on it so that it's not just lying around, able to be shot, loaded and shot very quickly, very easily. Uh, this is mostly to prevent accidental deaths, which is what the argument was, is that, you know, that there are lots of heartbreaking stories of of, of kids, uh, you know, literally like six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds who like find a gun lying around, loaded, unlocked, able to be shot and just start playing with it as kids do and 
and kill themselves or kill someone else. And uh, that that's the point of that is just to try and encourage more people to take firearm ownership and the storage of firearms seriously. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. And then one more, um, an election-related bill that uh, has made Mm -hmm. it out of committee. Um, What is pre-canvassing and why do Democrats support it? So uh, pre-canvassing is the idea that counties should have time before an election to process mail-in ballots. So because especially in Pennsylvania, you know, there's like two ballots. Your your listeners might remember the whole naked ballot thing. There are two envelopes in every mail-in ballot. So just think about think about trying to open an envelope. Now think about doing that thousands of times over again. And then think about having to do that twice. I mean, that's what counties have to do just to get to the ballot, let alone then sorting them by election district, scanning them, processing them, checking for errors. Pre-canvassing's idea, they should have time before election day to do it because under state law right now, they do not. And we're kind of alone among states that allow uh, as permissive mail-in ballot structure in not giving counties that time. So pre-canvassing is giving counties that. This has been a long-time priority of counties ever since Pennsylvania made mail-in balloting more open. That was during the uh, pandemic, right? Or did that process start before then? Well, it, we approved mail-in ballots in 2019, but the first election that... Mattered, uh, okay. Well, not mattered, yeah, no, it, but was big. Yeah, no, and and that's why, like, and then, so counties then got this double whammy of it already was there and nobody was leaving their house and they got crushed by mail-in ballots. Now, I'm forever, like, in awe of how manual Pennsylvania insists on making so many of our basic government processes. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to decline from commentary, but all that's (laughs) to say that I, you know, counties have literally, I remember having a phone call with an, a county official in March of 2020 when the pandemic was just a gleam in everyone's eye and they were already worried about this. Yeah. They were already like, like, we are going to need time before like elections to, to process ballots or we're going to get crushed. Like we're not going to have results for a while. Three years later and there's some movement, um, any chance that that one or any of these make it through the Senate? So I think that's where it gets into, like, everyone wants an election deal because everyone has priorities they want to get done. So, like, pre-canvassing just becomes a bit of that. Republicans have mostly rejected a call to advance a so-called clean pre-canvassing bill. When I say clean, I mean a bill that has nothing in it but pre-canvassing. Because, like, the thing you have to understand about lawmaking in Harrisburg is that, like, 
Like, like, you know, when we talk about a topic, you think, oh, it's got to be easy. You just introduce a bill. It's just on that and you advance it. It's no. like, that's not usually how it works. People are always trying to put stuff in there. They cut a deal. For Republicans, they were unwilling to advance a bill that just gave counties that time that they asked for. And this is Democratic and Republican run counties. All of them were like, we just want time before an election to process these ballots. But Republicans were like, we'll do it if it includes voter ID or something with poll watchers. Or like, it always had to have a Republican priority attached, like for, for them. And that is what stopped pre-canvassing from ever happening, and it's often stopped any sort of election action, is Republicans have always wanted voter ID, voter verification, one of those additions which then ruins Democratic support, and then it just all falls apart. So, And this time? the I think it's a topic everyone's looking at. I mean, that dynamic is not going to change. So I think it's there's a realization among Democrats that like we might have to put up a vote for a bill that has a voter ID in it. It's just like, what can we get out of it as well? Whether that's uh, same day voter registration, in-person early voting. Uh, Wait, do you, you think know, Democrats would actually consider a voter ID law? If it's paired with a lot of other things that need to be done, potentially, yeah. That just feels gross. Welcome to Harrisburg. Uh, uh, I don't have any nice way to say out of that, Stephen. <laughs> I, I, I just uh, so I, I would just say that, like, I think everyone's thinking about this. And I think it's just a matter of for for because, I mean, Republicans in the Senate have been very clear are asking prices voter ID. Like they said that at their first press conference announcing their majority, more or less, that they wanted like and. Josh Shapiro, even in an interview in 2022, kind of said, like, I will talk about this. Tom Wolf, after vetoing Republicans' bill in 2021, even seemed to hint at there's forms of voter ID I'd agree to. I mean, I think it's just a matter of what's the least strict version of voter ID that lets Republicans feel like they got their win? Because at this point, voter ID for them is just like, I feel like it's just talked about so much. They're like, we need to do this. And then I think for Democrats, it's like, okay, you need this. Well, we need this. And it's, and it can't just, and, and then pre-canvassing is caught in the middle of this dynamic from counties. You're just like, please help us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Shapiro, I'm curious how you think he specifically might be affecting any of this. You know, his predecessor, Governor Tom Wolf was a Democrat, um, but he was just like a wealthy business owner. Shapiro is a little bit younger. He's been a prosecutor. He's definitely been a politician. Um, have you been able to detect any real change? Yeah, that's the one thing. Josh Shapiro isn't going to go out and say, I'm not a politician. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he um, knows the score. Yeah. Every, like when I say everything seems more chaotic and like, I guess what I almost want to say too, is everything has just felt more like cloak and dagger. Like I'm just looking around a little bit more suspicious of everything that's happening. And I'm not, and I don't mean that in like a bad way. I'm not trying to, like, I just mean, there's this sense of deals are in the works behind every closed door to me that and I and so as a capital reporter, I'm always trying to like look around of like, OK, what could what could get this done? What could get that passed? Because like we have Josh Shapiro, who, as you noted, has been doing this for a long time. He knows how to cut a deal. And I don't say that in a good or bad way. I mean, you know, in, in 2020, as attorney general, he helped get police unions on board with a policing reform bill that create a state database of like officer conduct records to try and prevent an officer who like at one department maybe had a, a use of force violation from getting rehired another in Pennsylvania. Yeah, the pass the trash bill. Yes. So, you know, that was Shapiro was a big part of that. So I'm thinking about in the context of now 2023, 
where is Shapiro probably trying to broker some agreements, you know? And so like on all these bills I've mentioned, like I don't want to write anything off because I think anything could pass at the right price with the right changes, like from from Fairness Act to gun laws, to budget, to, to whatever. I think it's all going to be in the deal, in the, the art of the deal, as a former president might have said. Right. Or his ghostwriter. <laughs> Um, Stephen Caruso is the Capitol reporter for Spotlight Pennsylvania. Stephen, thank you, as always, for breaking all this down. Thanks for having me, Megan. A little more news before you go. Our local unhoused population is up in Allegheny County. The county does a census every winter, which includes folks in transitional housing. Our new estimate is up to about 900 people. That's from 880 this time last year. The Trib reports that officials are trying to provide more crisis and wraparound services, including incentives to local landlords willing to help people going through county support programs. And Phipps Conservatory's Summer Flower Show opened this weekend, and it's all dedicated to a local boy, Billy Porter. These days, people know Billy for his amazing red carpet looks, the TV show Pose, and Broadway's Kinky Boots. But he was born here in Pittsburgh and stayed even through college. A few years ago, he came back home to direct this really cute movie called Anything's Possible. It actually features Phipps, and Porter apparently loved the experience so much that he became a conservatory board member. The Flower Show runs through June 25th, and he's also performing here as part of his new tour at the end of the month. That's May 28th at Heinz Hall. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please tell someone, leave us a rating and a review, and make sure you're subscribed to that Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Uh, I'm an agent of chaos. I, I thrive in it.